Hello and welcome to Vikings Territory Breakdown uh, podcast with myself, Joe Oberly from vikingsterritory.com and purplebtsd.com and Mark Craig uh, from the Star Tribune and startribune.com. Mark, how you doing? How's it going today, wherever you're at? I'm at home, Joe. It's going well. Getting ready to go out. Huh? You're not going to be there for long, right? You're going out to the uh, TCO? It's a big day, Joe. It's a big day to get better in the NFL. It's May 17th, and we're going to see the whole team out there. So exciting stuff. Were you out there last week for uh, uh, the rookie stuff at all? I was. I was. What did you uh, think? What were your impressions? Anything, any takeaways from watching those young lads? Um, hmm. How do I put this nicely? They, they don't do a whole lot anymore, Joe. There's not a whole lot of uh, action that you see uh, on the field anymore. It's a lot more, and, and rightfully so, they shouldn't be you know, beating the crap out of each other on May 13th or whatever. Um, you know, I, I went out, uh, one, one story that I'm working on is these two um, – Outside linebackers that went undrafted, uh, Luigi Villain and uh, Zach McLeod, both of them got over $200,000 guaranteed. Um, mm-hmm. McLeod was like number two in the league at $250,000. Um, uh, Luigi was at two twenty-seven. He's the top seven. Um, I, that, that intrigues me because, you know, they really served the part uh, of that three, four outside linebacker, maybe a little bit smaller, which is why they weren't drafted, a little bit shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, but it tells me that the because you know, the, the Vikings didn't draft any linebackers or and, and you know they they got Hicks from free agency. It sort of tells me that uh, they're not exactly thrilled with what the depth that they had. Um, you know, behind, going to this new defensive scheme, this new this new front. It tells me that they weren't exactly thrilled with all the depth that they have to go out and give that kind of guaranteed money, which is a record for the team and. You're seeing a lot more competition for these guys that don't go dra- get drafted. Um, so they went out and targeted those two outside spots. And also it's a, so be kind of a, intriguing to watch these guys as they move along. Um, you know, they, they certainly move well. Like I said, they might be a little on the little short side. Um, but, you know, you're kind of looking at them as what, what I was doing, looking at them. I also noticed that they didn't seem to have as many, you know, uh, tackles, uh, offensive linemen. And I think um, O'Connell explained it like almost like it's having a seven-on-seven camp. He wanted to see more skill in, in the in the uh, rookie uh, mini camp. So um, you know, uh, kind of interesting to see Brett Hundley there. It's like you're looking out there. It's that's Brett Hundley, you know, who was drafted in what seventeen, eighteen, whatever it was played for the or was with the Packers. Yeah. Um, you know, they didn't sign him. They only signed one of the guys that they had out there. Uh, trying out so and he was a linebacker as well inside linebacker so yeah william quinn k-w-e-n-k-e-u that guy that guy yeah can't tell you that i he jumped out at me i don't know uh don't know what what number he wore but um you know you typically they'll sign a couple of those guys i only signed one this time uh so uh again i think that they're they're trying to stockpile their linebacker situation which is also a key special teams position. I'm, you know, talking to Zach McLeod uh, after after the mini camp, and you know he's pretty excited just to get on the field as a special teams NFL player. Um, you know, and, and when you come with a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar guarantee, you're get 
that's more money that's guaranteed to him than it's guaranteed to the seventh round pick, the sixth round pick, uh, typical, even like a late fifth round, that's a little bit higher than a typical late fifth rounder. So sort of levels, levels of playing field. And it tells me that this guy could be, you know, uh, a special teams contributor this year. It's kind of a no-name guy. Um, you know, l- let me ask you about that. I mean, stockpiling linebackers. Uh, do you see the reason for that? Maybe because they didn't – they did address it a little bit in the draft, but uh, um, is it – why do they have to – you know, I, I'm you know, probably a naive question here, but when, when you're going to a 3-4, uh, a 4-3 would have the three linebackers, Mike middle, you know, weak and the other one. Weak side and uh, strong side. Um, now you go to four linebackers with two edge rushers, but edge rushers are different than uh, linebackers per se. They're 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 kind of a tweener, right? They're they're defensive linemen with some great speed and some great get off that can can rush the outside. I mean, uh, how many linebackers did they need? Strict linebackers because you know aren't you going to be just running two specific linebackers in your in your basic formation or or, or not? Well, those outside linebackers, they, they, they got to do more than rush the passer. They're, I mean, uh, more so than a four. You know, some of the four-three schemes have, where, you know, some fire zone where the guys will drop back a little bit. Typically, I never like that where you see a like a, a guy drop a defense, like a Jared Allen playing. You know, you know he right. drop back sometimes. I didn't like that. I you paid to rush the passer, but there had to be some variety there. Well, well, three-four is a lot more. There's a lot more required of those guys. And those two outside guys, if they stay healthy, if, 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 is the big question, uh, are going to be outstanding, uh, I would think. But but Zadarius Smith and, and uh, Daniil Hunter are guys that uh, uh, combined have only played uh, – they played seven games last year. They, uh, Daniil didn't play the year before. Uh, so there's injuries. You got to – you just have to, like, have guys there that you're that – you're, um, that fit your scheme. And – you know, everybody that was there besides them, uh, like Eric Kendricks is going to fit inside no matter what scheme you throw at him. Um, but they went out and got Jordan Hicks to handle that other inside spot. Um, you know, they, but they need, they need backups there, but they also, you know, there's guys that, um, uh, DJ Wonham, it was drafted for a a four, three. Uh, this sort of tells me that maybe he doesn't fit their scheme in a three, four. Hmm. Um, so, that's what they got to find out in the, you know, the off season and uh, starting with these mini camps, off season, preseason. Uh, but you got to bring in, you got to bring in guys that fit your system as well. So um, it's about competition there. It's not not only to be backups, but special teams, and also, you know, hopefully that there's guys that you can count on for when, if or when these outside guys get hurt. You know, also, and you made the good point about uh, special teams, you know, and maybe that's where William Quinn, Quinnicky or whatever his name is, fits in because he is a little undersized, but he's really fast and he, he can cover some ground. So maybe good in coverage and maybe good in special teams. Maybe that's the kind of what they're looking at him for, for him to pull him out and sign him from the from the rookie camp. Yeah, I mean, uh, those typically they're linebackers uh, that <clears throat> – Linebackers are your, your probably your best special teams players. One of the most amazing things about Everson Griffin was early in his career as a defensive end, as a 6'3", whatever he was, 287 or two, whatever he was, 270-something, mm-hmm. two, two he uh, 
he was a f- amazing special teams player, and yeah. it was almost like he should have been. It should have been outlawed that someone like that with that power and that size that could run that fast down the field and just blow up people. Um, probably one of the probably the best defensive lineman I've ever seen as a special teams player. Uh, so you've got to get guys like that, and it's an important part of the game uh, until we get to a point where they just finally get rid of the kickoff or they finally <laughs> get rid of anything like that. You know. Um, they won't be able to call it. It won't be a noon kickoff. It'll be a noon. Let's let's meet at the twenty. Uh, things like that. But uh, it's still an important part of the game. Yeah, I just, uh, Griffin actually did some time as a gunner. <laughs> so yeah, special teams, which is I, I when I first saw, it, I go, what are they doing? But then he acquitted uh, uh, himself quite well there. Uh, speaking of edge rushers, uh, you know, you're going out to TCL this afternoon and. Uh, uh, it's Tuesday when we're taping this, but uh, uh, Daniil Hunter's going to speak. And uh, I saw a picture tweeted out yesterday between of him and uh, Zadarius Smith just kind of mugging for the cameras. And they look like a couple guys that, uh, well, they're, they're friends. I know that. They, they have a relationship, you know, prior to uh, when they got drafted to their respective teams. But uh, it, 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 you know, if, if you can put aside the, the uh, injury fear – concern with both of them for a bit that's exciting as hell to see the two guys that are you know going to be in camp together uh, i'm sorry friends that are going to be you know playing alongside each other and and uh zadarius smith who seems to be a kind of a, a little bit of a live wire and probably pretty psyched up for the first game of the season we'll talk a little bit more about the schedule later but he's going to go to going to play his old mates for the packers so i i don't know I, it, it gets me excited i mean what what do you expect to hear from you know, they're bringing out Daniil. Uh, is it going to be talking about his injury? Is it going to be talking about what, what do you expect to hear and, and what maybe are you going to ask him? Uh, I don't know that I'll be be there when he's talking because I still, I've got, you know, we have multiple people there, so I don't need three people uh, at, at his podium. Well, you know, with it being a podium a session, it's going to be, a, I, you know, that's more and more what the NFL is now, especially, well, obviously during the pandemic, it's what it, that's all it was. Uh, but, you know, it's going to be a lot of, you know, talking about the injury. He's going to be say that he's, he's injuries behind him. going to be a lot of talk about, you know, Zimmer and the fear-based as Eric Kendricks put it system versus O'Connell and, and this, uh, you know, the new uh, system, I guarantee at some point he'll say collaborative or he'll be, you know, uh, the, some, some sort of the, the catchphrase word that they're using out there now with the collaboration between the players and the coaches and, the kumbaya stuff. Uh, so he's going to be in favor of that. He'll probably, he won't say anything derogatory about Zimmer. Um, be, it'd be interesting just to see uh, if you got him to the side and you were, or, you know, wasn't a podium set him where everything is said is going to be picked right. apart, you know, five minutes later all around the country um, just to get, but that's where it becomes a little more can. These guys are so much, they're so polished in, in how things work now and, the non-answer answer has been perfected by most of the guys that go to a podium. Um, but I, you know, I expect that he'll, he'll, you know, he'll be obviously be asked about how he fits in a, how he thinks he fits in a, a three, four, you know, um, now, you know, the Neil's not going to be a guy that you're going to be able to have him put on the slot receiver and have him cover, you know, but right. I think there's, he's got the, he's got the length he's got the, the athleticism to do, a lot of the things that they're going to ask him to do, um, a part of it's 
as I think O'Connell describes, just it's getting in the way. It's it's a it's a, in a zone situation, just being that guy that you know clogs things up, or if if that's what he's doing on that particular play. But ultimately, he where you know where he is is as great as his rushing the passer. So it, it's it'd be interesting just to kind of watch. You know, they don't do a whole lot in practice. It's but when they come together on seven or seven, it's going to be interesting just to kind of see. Okay, here's here's the three defensive linemen that we get that they got in front of them. You know, here's how it looks, and because yeah. we haven't seen that type of defense in so long. Well, you know, they they're going to have to have uh, not only a red jersey on the quarterbacks, but with bleak and red lights to have keep these guys from tackling. You're you're kind of a defensive guy. I mean, you played defense when you were playing football, right? Back in high school. Uh, is it exciting for you to cover this this new scheme and these you know guys that? potentially are are going to be this active back there and rushing the quarterbacks that does that seem like fun i mean are you as excited as i am mark <laughs> not not in may no no um uh it's it, it's it, it's interesting to me because it's it's hard to picture um you know the, the like a daniel i guess it's not real hard but it's different picturing daniel for in that uh in that role you know whereas you're know, like well for, for years, uh, you know, when Leslie was here uh, and, and Mike Tomlin, it was, I mean, everyone lined up pretty much same spot. And, but yeah. when they were, it didn't matter when they were, when they were good and they were young and they had the, the, the talent, it worked. I mean, they number one in run defense uh, three years in a row or whatever it was, uh, which then unleashed the Jared Allens. And uh, so a lot of it's, we, we overdo it with the schemes and everything. Um, it's still the talent I think that that makes you know just because you're in a three four doesn't mean you're going to be a, it's going to confuse the quarterback it's going to do this that and the other thing if you're in a three four and Daniil is healthy and Zadarius is healthy and Harrison Smith is that gadget weapon and uh, Scene is a uh, worthy of the first round and the big question for that I've had is that is that defensive line going to be good enough. Yeah. Now that's a big question mark. Who's that third defensive lineman? It's, it's like it's the starters got to be Armin Watts. I saw someone uh, said something about uh, there was a, a depth chart out there that had uh, Twyman listed as the third as a starter. Uh, so Jalen Twyman, the guy they drafted last year that got shot, who didn't play, he's at the, he was at the rookie mini camp. Um, mm. So he's was listed by someone as uh, in the depth chart. But he's not going to be a starter. Um, you know, is he going to make the team? I don't even know if he'll make the team. Uh, but you know, that third guy, Armin Watts, is a good player. But is he a starting caliber player? Then who's behind these guys? So that's the to me, it was a big, big question mark. Is that, that defensive line? Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be amazing to see. Uh, um, you know, I mean, we got to be. I mean, Daniil came in as a as a young player he was like he was he was he was raw but i think he was really young when he came in so he's got to be about coming to his his peak physically so it'd be you know i don't know is he 27 28 maybe or or is uh yeah 27 i think you know yeah, uh, yeah he was young he was young coming in uh raw i mean obviously then he just took off uh, uh you know were, he, he yeah and he was you know he was the caliber uh uh Defensive Player of the Year, which was his, should have been his goal. I mean, 
Patterson would always say, don't put a ceiling on this guy. Don't put, and then you got to see why he would say that because why, why put a ceiling on a guy who could, you know, like, like putting a ceiling on John Randall when, uh, when he was a undrafted free agent, Hey, he could be a pro bowl player. Well, no, he could be a hall of famer. Uh, now, you know, Daniel, you know, when you get two seasons, basically two seasons wiped out in their, in your prime, when you're as good. And he was the most, one of the most durable guys in the league. And then you have two seasons basically erased. Um, it's it's you know, sad to see, cause you'd like to see guys like him who, you know, he's a good guy. Yeah, he's a phenomenal talent, and he's he's not blowing it. He is taking full advantage of it, and just had two injuries that uh, he couldn't help. Yeah, it it's uh, it would be wonderful just to see both of those guys come back and have, you know, be doing for comeback player of the year, and just uh, uh, just just go lights out. I mean, it, you know, after the year, the past two years we've seen on defense, it would be. It'd be something else. I mean, you mentioned something earlier about the all the collaboration thing. I mean, the way you talk about that going from Zimmer to uh, Kevin O'Connell, I, I think on the first game they shouldn't bring out that big fire-breathing dragon when they do the game ops. They should have a bunch of unicorns run, run across the field with a rainbow shooting across. You know, if game ops wants some uh, ideas, it has come to me and I'll, I'll let them have that. But that is is that, that what we're in for, Mark, that kind of collaboration and kumbaya? Is that what we're going to get? Or maybe he should. They should come in skipping all and holding hands. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I don't want. I don't mean to make fun of it. I, but I guess I've just seen this. You know, as soon as one guy's out the door, it's complete one eighty, and it's like, you know, we got all the answers. You know, we're going to do everything different. We're going to do. You know, it's just uh, you, know, you see it all the time, and I oh. Ultimately, there's a, there's a head coach. He, he is going to have to be a head coach at some point. He says all the right things. He tells all the all of us in the media that, you know, that's a good question. That's a really good question. Um, he's doing a good job of making people smile and make people happy. But ultimately, it's wins and losses. Yep. And when Zimmer was winning, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. The, 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 uh, uh, where Zimmer kind of irked the players was when, it, when he knew it was over or, or when, he, when, the, when the vice grip was tightening, Zimmer – did not handle it with grace, and Zimmer was was a was a bear for these guys to deal with at the end. I would say when Zimmer was going uh, was going to the playoffs, uh, he did it every other year until the end when he missed it two years in a row. Yep. But when they were they were healthy, and um, you know Eric Kendricks and those guys were on board with uh, you know with Zimmer's style, Zimmer's uh, you know because it used to be when Zimmer came in, it was. You know, we need we need tough leadership. We need someone that'll tell you, you know, point blank in between, hit you between the eyes with the truth and all this. And now it's kind of it's the softer, gentler. You know, we need someone that will, you know, collaborate. And there is, you know, that is where things are going. And I think you saw Wes Phillips and um, even Ed Donatell, sixty-five years old, talking about how the league has changed and the players have changed. But um, you know. Ultimately, there's still there is a boss, and he, he has to be a boss at some point. Uh, so we'll we'll see we'll see we'll see. I just I, it's going to be a fascinating year just because of of how they're uh, they've changed so much, right? And how uh, you know, frankly, this is it. You know, all the you know the Kirk Cousins back and forth and back and forth. Is he this? Is he that? And ultimately, it's it's a it's a stalemate that 
It's deadlocked at 500 quarterback. And now he's got what everyone that really likes Kirk wants him to have is an offensive coach, an offensive system is going to be. He's going to be comfortable, and let's see what we got. Yeah, it should be interesting from the from the get go, and it starts this afternoon, like you were talking about, uh, with all the the whole team there. So it should be uh, fun to see. I hope they let the media have a good look at him for a while and get some quotes and give us something to talk about next week. Well, we'll take a quick break right now uh, and come back with a couple other uh, uh, Vikings headlines for the past week. All right, welcome back to Vikings Territory Breakdown with myself, Mark Craig. Mark, um, uh, action kind of slowing down the past week, but a couple news items leaked out of rumors and such pertaining to the Vikings. I got a couple I just wanted to run by. You know, you touched on one. Brent Huddley uh, was at the, at camp, uh, 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 former Packer draft choice that just came in. He wasn't signed, so he's – He's probably not not going to be around, but uh, uh, you know, just it's that the Vikings' propensity for uh, bringing in pack former Packers and and another one who spent a year in Green Bay center J.C. Treader, I think at least one year. I think he was drafted there. Uh, he put out uh, a note that his short list of teams that interest him. He's a free agent right now, uh, and well, one of them was the Vikings, and I think he was in Cleveland for a while too. Is that? Is that correct? Oh yeah, yeah. I believe three or four four years with the Packers, like four years with the Packers, and I think four years with the Browns. So, is that would that be a good fit for the Vikings? I mean, I, you know, you got Bradbury, and they they said they didn't they didn't announce they weren't going to pick up his fifth year option, and so there's a little bit of a uh, uh, question going on there. And and J C Treader is a I think he's a pretty good sized. Uh, center isn't he he's a good player I, you know I'm, I'm sort of uh, a little bit surprised that he hasn't signed I'm, I'm what kind of like what's going on there he is the uh, NFLPA president so I don't know if that has something to do with it maybe he's just kind of I don't know why he's not signed um, I do know that uh, you know even though he hasn't missed a game in five years uh, he's you know, he what he, I don't as uh, with the Browns last year I don't think he practiced at all he just showed up on game day to you know, get through a, he's 31 years old. He has some knee and ankle leg issues. Um, he's going to, he's not going to be cheap, you know? So that's another thing. It's like, you bring him in, he's going to cost you six, $7 million a year. I don't think that they, I don't think they have that on the cap. They, I think they're five under or something like that, but you know, I'm not a cap guy, but they need that to, um, you know, as a reserve and also to like, Sign all that, sign all their rookies and all that stuff. Um, so, is he worth it at 31 years old? And with uh, I don't know what is it is is what his health is like right now. Um, but yeah, he's sure he's better than Bradbury for sure. Um, I, I assume he's going to play somewhere this year, but having not signed, it's kind of strange what's going on. I mean, he could be trying to get more and more money out of people. I I, I don't know, but. Uh, you know, it's one of those where, okay, on on the surface, you know, he, yes, the name is better, yeah, but uh, he's a better player. But just where is he in his career? Just because he started every game for the last five years doesn't mean that's going to happen this year. Right. So you got to really got to take the injury into, into consideration. You got to take the money into consideration. The fact if you get rid of Bradbury and then all of a sudden this guy 
plays one week and his legs give out, then what do you do? I mean, Bradbury's not great, but Bradbury's better than whoever right now is behind Bradbury. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's a strange thing. It, it, it's I'm, I'm surprised too. I keep, I, you know, given what you said, why, why would he be have interest in the Vikings? I'm sure his agent knows with their cap situation, you know, and they'd probably have to redo somebody to, to fit somebody like that in there. But uh, it, it does bring some questions and, and there's other places is, Am I wrong, or is is Anthony Barr still unsigned? Is he is he signed? That, has not signed. No. So, yeah, and, and agents are good. I mean, the, their their job is to drum up the market, right? Mm-hmm. If you ever talk to an agent and say, "Hey, who was interested in your guy?" You never get the X Y Z was interested. You get off. Oh, it's you know, the whole league was interested. You know, I mean, you don't you don't get specifics. That's their job. You know, they're they're creating a market and. Um, you know, I. Who knows? I mean, I'm sure that he, he's he's got other teams out there that he's interested in. Uh, I just don't know if his is his, is his health there, and is he worth the money? That's 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 the two big things. Is he worth the money? Um, Are you talking Treader? Yeah, Treader. Yeah, okay. but if what well, same could be said for Barr, you know, like like Barr coming back here. I never, and as we said over and over, I said over and over again on the when you'd ask about him on on the podcast, it'd be like. My mind had already moved on from him. Like yeah. as soon as the season was over, because a they sh- really shouldn't have re-signed him the last time. He wasn't yeah. worth the money. Um, Zimmer had such an attachment to him, and he did. He knew Zimmer's defense, and Zimmer had such a trust in him to, you know, to be the on-field traffic cop and all this stuff, and, and be the guy that does things that we that PFF doesn't doesn't like or, or doesn't appreciate or the stat book doesn't appreciate. Uh, but I just, I also saw that, okay, you moved on from Zimmer. And even though at one point it was like, you know, Barr would pre, was kind of the three, four outside linebacker. Well, you know, Barr is 30 years old now. Barr has a, as a arthritic knee that uh, knocked him out of a lot of uh, early time last year. You know, he's just, and I, it never struck me as a kind of guy that's going to grind and grind and grind and play into his mid thirties, get everything he can out of it. Just, you know, he, he Anthony Barr might be done for all we know. I, I, I don't know. It's uh, if he hasn't signed yet, um, it means he's probably turned down some one year prove it deals, you know, yeah. for guys it, it, like he's uh, not going to be the Patrick Peterson. Uh, it appears where he says, okay, I'll play for one year somewhere and then see what happens. I don't, you know, Barr could be done. He could be. You know, if you if you really go back and look critically at his last few years, they have been injury riddled. They have. I mean, he's had flashes. He's has moments, and like I said, he does those things that uh, that don't show up on the stat sheet per se. But nothing stands out other than the fact that he was uh, in and out of the lineup, and you know. Uh, maybe a prove it year for somebody like that is not a good thing. He'd probably wanted a little more security. He must be turning. I wonder if he's getting offers. It just, you know, you wouldn't, I just don't think that his career should be over yet, but maybe it is, you know, if, if your body's breaking down at age 30 and, and speed was one of your things, I don't know. It, it's a, uh, it's too bad. I thought he's a decent guy. Uh, not so much, uh, uh, you know, as, as a guy to talk to, he was always a good guy. And I, I, uh, I wish him the best, but, uh, you know, it's like, I don't think he's the kind of guy that would come in late when the Vikings need somebody to fill in if they, 
yet need another linebacker. No, you know, I, I don't, I don't see that. Be, um, you know, just because you know, they've done it, and again, it gets to be where what's what does it cost to get you what you're going to get? And um, you know, the shame of it was, uh, you know, we we talked about you know splash plays, flash plays, whatever. Uh, he and I, I can't remember which games they were, but there was a couple games at the end where Anthony Barr stood up and made some great plays. Yep. And then they didn't. They uh, the offense let him down. And I, there's one play in particular where he had a tip and he came up off the ground and made the interception. It's like, oh, that's that's a, that's the play everyone's been begging for for the past five six years. Right. And then it turns out that the offense couldn't take advantage of it. They went three and out or whatever. So. Uh, it's one of those where, you know, the defense did hand, you know, like I'm sure Zimmer, if, if we dialed Zimmer up right now, he'd know exactly what play it was because it was his de- defense, his guy handing Kirk the ball. And I believe they went three and out. So I think you're right. Zim, Zim, Zim if you're listening, uh, uh, text me with what, uh, what play that was, what game. <laughs> I guarantee he knows it. I, I remember it. It was a great play, and it was just – it was uh, typical of last year. That happened a lot when uh, uh, the defense would come up with a big play and, and put the, the offense in position. They would go three and out, and they couldn't finish the deal. And, I, you know, that stuff never shows up on, on a stat sheet, per se, for, for Kirk Cousins. But, you know, I mean, he's the 10th in the league in this, and he's this and this and this. And everybody's singing it. There are a lot of people are singing his praises on the stat sheet. But boy, when the Vikings really need the offense to to uh, put their th- foot on the throat and for the defense get them, a, you know, put them back, the defense which was hanging on by their fingernails, you know, it, it's it it too often didn't happen. So I, I certainly remember it, it didn't happen. I mean, it, it the offense did. There there were times where the offense did do what we're talking about. It did not happen enough. It didn't happen consistently enough for again for the amount of money that you're paying your quarterback. It should have happened a lot more and been more consistent, and it wasn't. Well, it should happen this year, right? Just, you know, they got they got it all set up. They got the defense rebuilt. It's all going to happen, Mark. It's no big deal. A couple other things. Uh, Kevin O'Connell took his rookies last week to a Twins game where he threw out the first first pitch, and, you know, I sarcastically said, uh, uh, I can sure see Zim doing that, can't you? You know, take it. <laughs> taking his rookies over to a twins game. Um, it's funny. They never, I don't know if Zimmer ever threw out a first pitch at the game. Was it, was it a strike? Was it like uh, 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 George W when I'm after nine 11 fire it right down the middle? Uh, no, it, it was, I don't think it was a strike, but it wasn't terrible. You know, I, I got I have Hulu, so I can't watch uh, the local sports teams because Hulu and the local sports teams can't figure this crap out. Yeah, we should spend a segment on that sometime. I actually just got rid of uh, 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 DirecTV, which has Bally Sports on it, because the the Wild and the Wolves both got knocked out of the playoffs, and I'm not going to watch enough Twins games to to warrant ninety some bucks a month. So I'll I'll get back on next season when uh, when the, the Wild and Wolves start kicking back in. But but no, you know, as far as did Zim do that? Uh... I'm a firm believer and you got to do, you know, you can't recreate yourself. You can't, yeah. as people see through, I mean, a lot of times people will say that that's sort of what rubs people wrong about Kirk is Kirk. Um, and I'm just, you know, guessing on some of this stuff, but uh, whenever like for the camera, whenever he was doing the, remember there's a stretch a couple of years ago where 
Um, he was always on camera firing a team up before the game. Well, they won a game, and then he was doing it more and more. It just didn't look genuine, I don't think. And I think there's some of that in locker rooms where if you're if you're trying to be someone you're not, guys see through you right away. So if Zimmer would have said, okay, people say that I need to, like, you know, be, be more chummy with the guys and bring them to the baseball game and throw out the, you know, that wouldn't work. So I think Zimmer was who he was. And yeah. um, Zimmer would, you know, and uh, Trey Wayne said this on a podcast down in Cincinnati that, um, whenever he was, um, shopping and free agency and, um, Zach, um, trying to like, uh, the head coach called him and said, you know, Hey, uh, it was right after, I believe, uh, what was going on in Minneapolis. He called and said, Hey, how, how's your family? You know, are you doing all right? And just kind of like nothing to do with football. And Trey Wayne's is, it was like, Hey, you know, that Zimmer never would have done that. Now he did also go on to say something more about it was more like a business with Zimmer. Not that he was, that he hated Zimmer, but he was just thought he felt it was, you know, it was odd for him to have a, you know, a coach maybe closer to his age. That was more talking about his family. Yeah. So I I do think, I do think Zimmer, you know, I don't think Zimmer, uh, I think he cared about his players. He was just a different, I think he loved them more. Just a more jet, just a more, um, just a more business approach. You know, it's uh, just the way it was. Plus, he's different in age. It's more like, hey, do your job. I'll do my job. We'll we'll win. We'll shake hands, and then you go to your house. I'll go to my house. We don't need to go to Twins games together. <laughs> as far as those uh, Kirk Cousins pregame fire ups, if if he had just changed it up from, uh, it seemed like every week all he would say was, "You like that? You like that?" Yeah. No, I'm just <laughs> He didn't do that. But. Well, yeah, but yeah, like I always, you know, he tried too hard. He just tries too hard. It seems. He like. does. But when he came in, when he, when when Kirk came in, um, and we we had dinner with you know different people in the media. So we went out to dinner in St. Paul with him, just the Star Tribune guys and Kirk and and I remember, you know, he was just um, he just struck me as a as a as a he had to be a pleaser. He had to he has to please everybody from the head coach to the to the um, well, you you want to please your owner, obviously. Uh, but he wanted to please like even the PR people that handled him. And, and I, I, at one point I joked, I said, you, you got the first guaranteed multi-year contract in the history of the NFL. You could just tell everyone not to, you know, piss off, you know, you, you have the control to be who you want to be and let everyone out, let the chips fall where they may, you know, whatever other cliches you want to throw out there. And he kind of laughed. He was just like, yeah, you know, but there's some truth to that, but that he was just always so kind of like uh, when they went through the thing with um, with Thielen and Diggs, and it was, you know, and he, they went on a podcast or something where he, uh, he was talking to Thielen and he apologized to Thielen about how he didn't get get him the ball, and a lot of that's just too much. It's too much of it's just you your quarterback should be a little bit more like Red I don't Fire. know, yeah, like that, you know, just hey, you know. Uh, not maybe not apologize, not try to please everyone. Uh, so there's some of that with Kirk that might rub some people wrong way. Yeah, I, you know, I think Kirk in 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 the right setting, and I don't think it's a football setting, could be a, a decent a leader in a certain setting. I think he has enough uh, confidence and abilities and smarts and what have you. I I think there it, to be a leader of a football team there. It, 
it just requires something more. I mean, you know, far everybody was go, ready to go into battle for him until he probably rubbed people the wrong way. And, you know, Drew Brees kind of acts, reminds me more of uh, 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 Kirk Cousins, but he still was able to, to, to pull off that too. So I, I don't know, maybe I'm speaking out of school here, but yeah, I, I, I don't know if Kirk, you know, even wants to be that guy. I think he would like to win games and, and be happy and, and, and then go home and, and spend his time with his family. But I, I don't know if he is, he lives, sleeps and poops football, you know, like, like, you know, some, some people you kind of want uh, their quarterback to do. I don't know. I think, yeah, I think you're underselling Drew Brees is uh, grittiness, toughness, uh, leadership. Um, I, I don't, I don't know if we're going to kind of always comes down to Kirk, but um, you know, to me, it's, he's, he's a, he's a outstanding quarterback. He has the ability, arm ability to make any throw. Um, he, you know, the mobility is not, not what it, what you'd like it to be, but you know, if you put the line in front of him, he can do it. He can make the plays. He just, there's something about the, he just disappears in big moments too much. Yeah. Uh, he also he also has appeared in big moments. Yep. And we saw that last year. But you know, consistently, it's just not doesn't match what he's getting for your from your salary cap. And that's just, I'm sorry. That's how I feel. That's how a lot of people probably a lot of people probably go farther and say he's terrible. If you're not if you're not like if you haven't won the Super Bowl and you haven't done this this and this. You're a terrible quarterback. It, well, no, he's not a terrible quarterback. He's, he's not a terrible leader. He's going to make some phenomenal passes. He's just know. not. He's not what he's has been paid to be. Yeah. But you know, here we are. We're, we got this year that this this could be his year to to prove it wrong. Mark, I really think this is a huge year for him. I mean, but that's that goes without saying. But you know, he he seems to have everything in place for him. They they helped his offensive line a little bit. They. uh they uh, um, got him a coach that he he seems to like. He's he's talked about being giddy about playing football and such, and he doesn't feel like he's having someone looking over his shoulder. He's got a quarterback, which blah 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 blah. I think the pressure really comes down on him, even though it's you know he's got he's got two years left on his contract. He's I think he's got a. I think this year you can really pinpoint losses on him if they don't succeed because I think the defense is going to be better and uh, I think the offense is going to be more solid around him I mean he's got incredible weapons if Irv Smith stays healthy and everybody stays healthy as you know it, it I think it does fall a lot uh, a lot on his shoulders so it should really be an interesting uh, season for that yeah and we've we've um, that's been said numerous times now and but now oh, you yeah. have I mean, I, I came up with that. What do you? Yeah, that's a, yeah. It's a, Jay Gruden's never never thought that. As Mike Zimmer never thought. Um, the th thing is, you know, now what you have is it's still ultimately it probably comes down to that offense. You know, is Bradbury? Are they going to get more out of Bradbury like they supposedly said they're going to? Did they? Did they? One of the nine hundred uh, candidates at right guard is that going to come through? Um, you know, is your left tackle going to stay healthy? Uh, I think if they if he gets an offensive line, you know, then you're that goes a long way toward whether Kirk Cousins will do what you know 
her cousins is going, supposed to do. And right. now you have you have this collaboration with the head. He's not going to be at war with the head coach or have a frosty relationship with the head coach. Should he's be going to. So that 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 to me for Kirk Cousins is probably a big deal. Yeah. Well, there I did it, Mark. You you said it. You know when we talk about uh, putting together agendas for this show, I say when we're scraping for for stuff to talk about. Quarterback, Joe, you can always talk about the quarterback. So there we go. Well, I, that's my, my former sports editor, Glenn Crevier. Every meeting that we would have, he'd kind of sit there quietly. He's a baseball guy from Boston. So he, he he's up, was always upset that the world, that baseball wasn't the number one sport in the world. Uh, and he would just sit there and he'd be like, um, eventually, be, he had that uh, Boston accent. It would be, yeah, quarterbacks, quarterbacks. And it's like, so when in doubt, go with the quarterbacks. There you go. Well, he was probably too young because baseball used to be the number one sport. It's not anymore. But anyway, we will uh, we'll take a quick break and we'll come back and, and look at uh, how the Vikings schedule did shape up. The big news of last week. And we'll talk about that. Come on back. <clears throat> All right. Welcome back to uh, Vikings territory breakdown with Mark Craig and myself and uh, with uh, I can't get it in here, but there's Mankato Brewery. There it is. So there you we go. Have, have to mention that today. Uh, they're not sp- sponsoring the schedule release, unfortunately. That would be nice if they were. But the schedule did come out, and even though some things leaked out, you know, the they had the uh, London game in week four and the uh, Monday Night Football game in week two. But some more, a few more surprises came out, and specifically one that I had predicted uh, on the show last week was that uh, the Vikings were going to host the Packers in week one and get them before Christian Watson is ready to play. He doesn't have him and Aaron Rodgers aren't figured haven't figured it out yet, and all these new bodies in Green Bay might not be ready for action and they lost their opener last year down in Jacksonville. It's one of the few games Jacksonville won. So I think that's a great opening game, opening get for the Vikings. What do you think, Mark? Well, no, last year they played in Jacksonville, but it was against the Saints. Oh, that's good. So that was a neutral in Jacksonville. It's neutral site, which even if they played the Jaguars, it probably would have been a Packers crowd anyways. Uh, the Packers also playing in London for the first time ever. Uh, so that'll def, that will definitely be another home game for them, uh, home feel to it. Um, I, I also like that it's week one. I, two, two things I like about week one, that they're playing the Packers, and as you said, it'll kind of catch them. I mean, obviously the Vikings will be you know, trying mm. to get their guys in a new system and everything, but I like the fact that uh, I'd rather, you know, have Aaron Rodgers and his guys kind of feeling their way through it as opposed to hitting them in week seven. Um, and I also like the fact that uh, uh, I'm assuming the pandemic will hold off or not return in time to, to make it an empty stadium like it was two years ago. Uh, that's another one. If uh, Zimmer's going to be sitting somewhere going, if they happen to, if they beat the Packers, if they beat the Packers, there'll be a loud scream from Kentucky that, you know, I could have used that crowd too because what was it was a joke. Like? It was just it, well, it was the first time that was the, that was the first game of the right. pandemic, and it was just you know, one thing that irritated me the whole time was that that was the was the uh, the fake noise. It was the kind of like the fake noise going yeah. through it, and, and which it really came across more on TV when you were watching it. Just yep. you know, by design that that, that 
Yeah, that, yeah, that bothered me because it's like we know there's no one there. Just, just, just play the game. Uh, but it was, you know, it was, it was surreal. It was weird. It was. Did you hear? It was, you hear it was great. It was fantastic driving to the game. I, I, <laughs> if there could be a pandemic right up to kickoff, let us get in the stadium and then let the people in. Um, no, no traffic. That was that was awesome. Uh, but it was just weird, and you could just see it on, you know, like when the camera would show Roger's face and. That's when he got him to jump off sides. You know, he, he was doing his famous or infamous, wherever you, depending on where you live, um, hard count that got you know, Everson Griffin a couple of times. It got another defensive lineman on third down, extended drives, and he was just toying with, knowing that you know you could just see it on his face, knowing that hey, if, if this was a normal situation, you know, I'm I'm in Minnesota and I'm getting linemen to jump off sides. It's kind of weird. Uh, so yeah, I I like. Uh, It'll be a great crowd, and I think it's a little. It's further. It's the three thirty game, I believe. Yeah. Which you know, you give the Minnesotans three more, uh, like Zimmer would say, you know, three more hours to drink. Yeah, let's go. Uh, and everyone, make sure you get an Uber home. Um, we don't want to encourage anything, Joe, on this show. Oh, and uh, but yeah, that that that's an advantage. But a disadvantage is, you know, they're one of only two teams I think in the league um, that has that finishes on the road. Uh, against division opponents, two weeks the last two weeks of the season, right. yeah. and that just and that just happens to be, uh, I think Carolina is the other one. So that uh, Carolina, so the, officially the Vikings have the worst final two weeks, assuming they're still in it and fighting for the yeah. playoffs. They got to go to Green Bay uh, on New Year's Day. New Year's Day, yep. And then they go to Chicago, which I think they owe that they owe the Bears like. 15 straight season ending games because it seems like they were all, you know, the Bears were always here at the end. Bears here, yeah. So, yeah, you know, that's a tough, tough way to end it. Now, now they're, they're, um, they also play their first three, uh, they play all three division opponents at home in the first five weeks of the season, which wow. is kind of strange. Yeah. Uh, maybe gives a, a good jump on the division. Um, they also play, you know, some quarterbacks that they should be able to kind of, I guess quarterbacks that are, are, are still like in their first, second year or, or they're not really proven, you know, it's like, you know, they playing Justin Fields twice now um, uh, they get, you know, although I think they're going to, they're going to lose to the, uh, I'll take the Patriots right up till kickoff on, uh, on Thanksgiving night, uh, yep. but they have Mac Jones, you know, they, they got, uh, uh, they, I also don't like them uh, winning in Philadelphia week two, but that's Jalen Hurts. So, there's some quarterbacks they could take advantage of if they had their pa- their pass rush going. Yeah, and that's the thing. It, you said it could it could be an advantage for the for the division, but it also could be a detriment if they if they aren't if they aren't up to speed with their new systems on offense and defense, and and they could kick away a couple uh, divisional games that they could have won at home and already be in, in a hole. So no, who knows what's going to happen there? Yeah, you mentioned that they do play. Uh, the Packers on New Year's Day at Lambeau. They play a uh, Thursday night game at home against the Patriots, which I think is a big deal, which actually uh, yeah, makes that one look more pleasing for the Vikings. But who knows? I don't know what the records are of, of teams playing that Thursday night game at home. Who wins? But it doesn't matter. They also are playing on Christmas Eve at home against the Giants. So that's kind of favorable for those old holiday games. Um for Minnesota because they're at uh, 
the only one that uh, uh, they're away at is a, the one in Lambeau on New Year's Day. Um, you know, the buy, interestingly enough, doesn't come until week seven, and it doesn't come right after the London game, which is week four. And typically they had been uh, – the NFL was giving uh, teams a buy after they're, uh, they're having to travel to London. Um, as a beat guy who's got to go there yourself, is that good news, bad news for you? You can, you, uh, you got to get right back here and cover another game. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's typical. I, the, the Vikings didn't want that. They didn't want the buy being that early. Right. So they wanted it. They I forget where it is week seven or eight or somewhere in there. Um, so yeah, it's, I think coming back home and then having play at home is nice, you know, yeah. From from a, a, a from a from a guy who has to you know prob- assuming I'll go to all the games, um, it's kind of nice being home on Christmas Eve. It's nice. Now, one thing I I, I have a problem with the NFL. And they should have checked with me on this. I have a we have a tradition in my family of watching Christmas Vacation on on Thanksgiving night. Oh, so I I'm a little uh, even when the NFL brought in that like like you need a third game on on New on Thanksgiving. Come on. So they bring it in. They, 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 that was always kind of the best game too, you know, because yep. tired of watching Detroit uh, every single year. They should just get rid of that and rotate that one. Uh, that's there's certain traditions that don't need to be traditions, and Detroit on Thanksgiving just does, needs to go away. But uh, even when all boys, they can go yeah, away too. As far yeah, as so, so even whenever they brought in, you know, that, that that night game, we still we stuck to our tradition of watching that uh, uh, Christmas vacation, and then. Uh, uh, th- uh, Christmas Eve is nice being at home. Yep. You don't have to travel, and, and then uh, not having to travel the week out weekend after Thanksgiving is nice because that's like a little mini bye week. And then right. January first in Lambo, I've uh, I'm at the age now where I don't even pretend to like stay up. I don't even make that effort to stay up until midnight. I uh, used to. We got to where we celebrated the Eastern time zone. Uh, we make our phone calls, you know, back home and. Oh, happy new year. Now it's like, uh, just it's over, you know, nine, 10 o'clock. Go to bed. Yeah. Uh, Mark, you talked about the, the nice, you know, getting all the division teams at home early in the schedule. There's a stretch that concerns me in, uh, in November, uh, having in, in 12, in the 12 calendar days, Buffalo Cowboys and the Patriots consecutively. That's a tough road to hoe there for, because they're going to go, they're going to play the Cowboys on a Sunday, and then four days later they'll play the Patriots on <clears throat> Thanksgiving, preceding with those two games by playing at Buffalo. That's a tough part of the schedule. I'm hoping that they get I get one game out of those three. I think. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's so strange because they're, they're you know the schedule always looks a certain way at the beginning of the year before the season starts, and then there'll be there'll be three or four teams that you think that. They're not. They're not any good, and they'll end up being good. And then say the vice versa. Last year was a classic example. You know, the, before heading into that season, you know, the season opener at Cincinnati. How many people said if they lose to Cincinnati, you know, the season's going to be over because since you got to beat Cincinnati to right. start the season. Well, Cincinnati wins the AFC. The AFC is better than the NFC. Cincinnati wins the AFC. So and then the next week it was like, oh, you know, Arizona's probably, you know, the third best team in their division. And uh, you gotta you gotta beat Arizona. Well, you know, they 
they don't beat Arizona, but Arizona, Arizona was, I think the last Arizona was the last team to lose. And I think they were nine and oh, or whatever they were. Uh, so then it, it just kind of, you know, what, what, what did we think it is going in is that's the beauty of the, of the NFL is that there's two, there's two things beautiful about the NFL. One, it, it, it's so unpredictable each year. And two, there seems to be no one in the country that can remember that it's unpredictable. So we all, we all make our predictions that we go, huh, I can't believe that happened. You know, it's like, and we do it over and over and over again. It's oh, like the right. NFL, the NFL yeah. has us on a string and they're kind of dancing around, you know, 365 days a year, you know, making predictions and say, ah, that's, I can't believe that happened. Um, so yeah, strength no. of schedule only goes so long, doesn't it? I mean, strength of schedule, so you can say it all you want at the beginning of the year and then, you know, three or four weeks into the season, completely flipped on its head. Yeah, and, it's, and there's a lot of fascinating things about it. Like, you know, we, we assume, let's say Philadelphia, for example, we assume with Philadelphia is Jalen Hurts is who we think he is. and um, But, you know, Philadelphia did a lot of things in the offseason that, that intrigued me, you know, getting, getting um, uh, the receiver, A.J. Brown, um, drafting that guy Jordan Davis, I thought would be great for Minnesota. You know, these, and uh, and they did a lot of other things. Uh, so, you know, you have a certain way you view each team, like like Cincinnati. You're you're viewing Cincinnati last year based on how Cincinnati was for however many years. Um, you know, but they were you know, Joe Burrow got up to speed. Joe Burrow is the, is the real deal, and. So now Cincinnati, there's going to be a totally different view of Cincinnati, you know, for the next, well, they don't play them again until, you know, three, four more years. So, um, you know, everything's just kind of based on last year when it should not be based on last year because of how the league is and how they change and everything changes up. Uh, Peter King uh, came out yesterday or the day before and said, that he thinks the Vikings are a, a sneaky team for that sixth wild or that sixth playoff spot in the NFC. So he's throwing it out there. Are you? Well, uh, yeah. Well, they, they, you know, by the way the league is and how you know, um, you know, I mean, it's how how many years it is now. It's this is a stat that I I should it should be burned into your brain, but um, you look at it, it's 30, 30 some years where three. Um, three or three or four teams that don't make the playoffs make it. Yes, so four teams that don't make the playoffs you know, make it the next year. Now you got that. Uh, you know, the straight the, the odd thing about the Vikings is in their history of being really competitive and everything. The first two years of there being uh, uh, an extra playoff team, they didn't make it. So it's just yeah. uh, and Zimmer finished. Zimmer finished one game out each each year, and the one and the one was you know the first the first time it was seventeen games season. They miss it. So how about that? Yeah, I didn't think of that. So yeah, to me, it's yeah. The, the Vikings. Well, the Vikings were a sneaky team last year until they until they got you know, you know, COVID at the wrong times. Yep. Uh, you know, Patrick Peterson gets COVID. Uh, uh, Harrison Harrison Smith is in in Baltimore ready to play, and he's you know gets COVID and can't play, and they have to fly him home. Uh, you know, Cousins misses. Uh, the, the kill shot for Zimmer was Cousins, you know, yeah. them having to start Sean Mannion in week 17 at uh, at Lambeau. So, yeah, the, the Vikings were a sneaky team until, like, Daniil Hunter went down. So if they stay healthy, yeah, they're, they're, they're a sneaky team for, uh, you know, that 
fifth, sixth, seventh. I don't, I don't see them upsetting. I see the Packers winning the division again. The Packers see, you know, are almost like shooting fish in a barrel at the, in the division for so many years. It's like, see, that's why um, I don't agree. Everybody's a lot of people are saying that and they, they lost some personnel too, you know, yeah. and they still got Rogers. I get that, but, uh, they lost some, you know, Zedaria Smith and Devontae Adams, and and they're 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 rebuilding a little bit. So you know, maybe it's because the division is so weak that they've been able to do that. But uh, and having Rodgers, but I, I don't know. I I think I think the Vikings will challenge him a little bit for the. Division. Well, to me, it's, it's having Rodgers because uh, you know Devontae Adams wasn't Devontae Adams until Jordy Nelson left. Um, you're gonna there's gonna be a receipt. You know, they aren't going to be go through the season with Aaron Rodgers not being able to find a receiver that he's going to make a great, you know, the guy's going to look great, whoever yeah. it is, whoever steps forward. Uh, and that's what guys like Kim do. That's what guys that, um, you know, you, you hate him, love him, whatever. Whenever they, they had two all pro offensive linemen, either one of them played last year and left tackle center center went uh, left in free agency. The left tackle was hurt all year. And they still went. They still won 13 games uh, because of him. It's because of what he's able to do and how he he makes everyone around him better. It's he's not playing to the level of everyone around him. He's raising the level around him uh, in however many ways he does it. And that's the one thing that you know is very rare. It's it's why you're a four time uh, yeah. MVP. And that may be something that old Kirky boy doesn't quite have yet. Um, does this, any of this, uh, now the schedule's revealed and we were previewing it last week. I think you were eight, you had them at eight and nine or nine and eight. One of the two, uh, the Vikings, does, do you change your prediction? Uh, well, I had, a, I just, you know, a, a top of the head in May prediction, yeah. uh, eight and nine. I had them at, um, what would change it? Probably not because I, I didn't have them. You had them getting swept by the Packers, but now they got that first game. Yeah, I mean that that's a that's a good example of where the where the game is. You know, <laughs> that that you know, I don't know what I'm gonna be picking that week. Um, but you know when when US Bank Stadium is is because that's gonna be a little a later game. Um, like say that say that's a if that was like a Monday night game, I would switch it right now. If that was a primetime game, I probably would switch it right now. Um I think that's I think that makes a big enough uh, just the atmosphere for US Bank Stadium. Yeah. Uh, but that that could be something that, that changes you. Know, so then now you're at a nine and eight, you know. Uh, but you know, later on, uh, like uh, like I wouldn't change the the Philadelphia pick uh, probably gets enhanced. Well, we knew this last time we talked that they were gonna have that prime time game. Uh, so that that in, kind of enforces that I picked Philadelphia. Uh, the London, I I think I had them beating the Saints. Yeah, I I see that. I don't see it being a Saints crowd, and it's and you're, and you're getting a break by not having to play in the Superdome. Uh, but you, but who knows what the Saints are going to be like? You just don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm concerned. I had them beating the Patriots, but now coming, you know, four days after playing the Cowboys. Granted, they're both at home, which is nice, but uh, um, that's. That's a little difficult. That whole yeah, but, uh, but but the Patriots have to play too four days after. So and yeah. they have to play on the road on, on Thanksgiving. So yeah, yeah. So I anyway, regardless, no matter what you say, the rest of the year, I'm holding you to eight and nine, buddy boy, and I'm going with ten. And that might actually, you know, not that I not that I would change my Patriots pick, but 
you know, that to me is works in the, in the Vikings favor being at home, you know, four days after it does. It absolutely does. Um, but they have a better, more, they kind of have a, a more a coach with a better track record than the Vikings. Do. Oh yeah. That's, that's why I said, you know, Belichick's not going to lose to, you know, a guy that's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, believe it or not, believe it or not. I, I mean, he ended up being, end up being good for Kirk. He may end up being good for the, for the organization. He may end up being the guy that takes this team back to the Super Bowl, wins the Super Bowl, but he's going to have a learning curve. I mean, let's be realistic. It's, I think he's going to come out and I know he's got a coach for every, he's got a coach for every minute of every game for the entire year. But to me, it's like, you know, he's, there's going to be parts in the game where it's going to be new to him. You know, he's, he's going to be calling plays for the first time. Uh, I think he called plays uh, in 2000, the year that Gruden got fired, he might've a couple games at the end of the year, but all this is going to be new. And no matter how much, they think they're ready for every scenario. The NFL throws you a new curveball almost every game where you're like, wow, you know, that's why the rules change every single year. Cause they're like, wow, that, you know, we've been playing football for 101 years, but we never saw that, you know? So he's going to be, he's going to have a lot of that. So I, I'm willing uh, uh, to give him, you know, he's gotta, we got to give him a little leeway to like, like if he comes out and he blows uh, uh, the time management against the Packers and, um, <laughs> You know, he, he makes a boneheaded fourth down call or something, or, or you're like, you know. They'll run him out of town I, on I, the I, end of his I, uniform. Yeah. I'm suggesting that, like, say he makes a mistake in the Packers game and they lose to the Packers, and I, I suggest that we, we don't say we should fire him that night. <laughs> we just say it, calm down just a little bit. Talking about flip to, flipping of scripts, uh I got to ask you this. This is a perfect segue because, you know, before the season, we would have never imagined this. But for the PGA Championship this week, Tiger and Phil, Tiger's going to play, Phil's not. And for various reasons. Now, before the season, we would have thought just the opposite, wouldn't you say? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, my the thing with Phil, and again, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not a PGA expert, um, but the crime doesn't seem to meet to make the crime doesn't seem to match the fact that we didn't see him at Augusta. That we we're not seeing him defending him. A fifty-year-old wins a major. We're seeing him not defend his title. Um, there's a, there's got to be more going on here. What I mean, I know that he said the PG you know, PGA is a bunch of greedy bastards or whatever he said, and um, uh, I know that he the Saudis and they they got the human rights stuff, but. I know that's, you know, he shouldn't have been in favor of that or, or not in favor, but he said, I think he said something like this for him to speak out against the PGA was worth it or something. I don't know. It just doesn't seem to me to match what he said. The fact that, that this guy has been in exile for, for as long as he has, I, I, I mean, come back, he should come back and play. He's, you know, what, 51 years old and going to be defending his title after not having played how long this season. I think he's he's uh, bowing out because he doesn't want to be embarrassed. But Well, yeah, but I'm saying, you know, he should have been – I mean, I never would have thought in a million years he'd miss uh, Augusta. Masters, I you know, know. You know yeah. play, play, play a tournament, get ready for it, and play maybe a couple more tournaments to get ready. The fact that he that he's just shut it down, uh, we may not see him this whole year now. 
Yeah, there's, there's uh, so it's going on. You're right, yeah. but I, I don't want to speculate on it because uh, I don't have any facts. A lot of people said that he's been suspended. Well, if you can suspend someone, wouldn't you announce it? Wouldn't you? Right. A secret suspension, what does that do? You know, I, right. I don't know. Anyway, on that note, I mean, we've lost all our, our NFL viewers. So you lost me. So, <laughs> well, thanks, Mark. Thanks for uh, to Mike Walden behind the scenes for putting this on. Thanks, Joe Johnson, for starting it many, many years ago. And we'll be back next week to uh, find out what Mark's going to find out this afternoon and all week out at TCL Performance Center. He'll have the inside scoop. So, join us next week on the Vikings Territory Breakdown. And until then, Skull.